Force Diversity is Blackface. Welcome to the first episode of the Slow to Speak podcast. My name is Samuel Say, and for the very first episode, we're going with a very uncontroversial topic, which is forced diversity being blackface. Now, many of you know what blackface is. Blackface is when a white person wears makeup to make themselves look black. But blackface really has a history that's, I think, very interesting, and you will see how it ties into today's topic which is basically that um, it, it started off as uh, it started off in minstrel shows or what was called minstrel shows, which is basically just theater from the 1800s and the 1900s. This would be white actors portraying black characters, typically in very racist ways. They would be uh, depicting black people as stupid and lazy, right? That's where uh, blackface really comes from. But the key thing, the most important thing to remember about blackface is that it was particularly white actors portraying black characters. Well, today, just like the minstrel shows from the 18 and, and 1900s, the entertainment industry today is also performing a new kind of blackface, which is what instead of white actors portraying black characters, it's actually black actors portraying white characters. So <laughs> some of you, if you've been following me on social media or through my blog, you might know that I'm a big Backstreet Boys fan, which probably tells you the kind of movies I'm also into. Look, I love superhero films. I love a lot of, a lot of the films that the average guy is into. I love action. I love thrillers. I love all that stuff. But I also like my romantic period dramas, okay? I'm a sap. I know I'm sentimental. I'm a romantic. I'm, you know, <laughs> really into those movies. I love the Jane Austen type of movies. I love um, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, North and South. Um, I love all those kinds of movies. I'm a huge fan. I They make my heart flutter, okay? I love those kinds of movies. Uh, my wife enjoys it when I'm probably more into these movies than she is at times. So I'm really into those kind of movies. But I, my wife and I recently watched this movie called Mr. Malcolm's List. And I'm going to pick on that, on that movie for today's episode. <laughs> because of my love and passionate um, obsession really sometimes with these romantic period dramas... It really annoys me when they're trying to go woke as they are, right? Mr. Malcolm's List is very much like, you know, the Netflix's, um, I think it's called Bridgerton, where it's basically just woke casting. And watching this was infuriating. And so, so basically, before I get into the movie, before I explain what I hate about it, I'll just explain... Um, what the movie's about, because it came out last year, but I'm sure many of you um, are not familiar with it. So Mr. Malcolm's List um, is set in England, 1818. And the premise is basically that there is this woman who goes on a date with Mr. Malcolm, who is the most, I suppose, 
eligible bachelor in England at the time or in that area in, in England. And the date doesn't go well. Um, and she gets embarrassed when it, it becomes public that Mr. Malcolm has uh, basically, you know, just dumped her. And she finds out eventually that it's because he has a list, hence the name of the movie, Mr. Malcolm's List. He has a list of requirements that she did not meet. And then long story short, she gets a friend of hers to get revenge on Mr. Malcolm. That's basically the premise of the movie. I won't go too much into it because it gets a bit convoluted at times, but um, that's the premise. Now, the main, I, I, the, the, main, the main actress is a brown Indian woman named Selena. Her friend, who is the one that was dumped by Mr. Malcolm, is a black, uh, is a black woman who has a, an Asian mom. And then Selena, the main actress, has a Asian cousin. So just so you understand, it's a black, a black woman named Julia with an Asian mom. And then the main character, Selena, is brown, so from Indian descent, with a cousin who is Asian. And of course, Mr. Malcolm is, is, uh, is a black man. Now, the producers um, said that they made their casting choices, um, they said, with color consciously to reclaim historical narratives that are traditionally played by white actors. They also said, Mr. Malcolm's List is the perfect example of quality content created through an inclusive intersectional lens. Well, I can say for sure that it is intersectional, it is inclusive, but it's not quality content. <laughs> um, look, there were the movie had potential. I thought the premise was actually interesting, but it is very distracting. Just seeing that you have these characters with parents who have a different ethnicity than they do. You have a completely unrealistic movie that's forcing diversity into their setting. Now, in the movie, uh, the vast majority of the main characters are not white. And it seems like half of the population in England at the time are not white. Which, if you know your history, that doesn't, that's not how it, it, it worked. Now, these were, of course, uh, aristocrats. But look, there were a few aristocrats in England at the time, but they were very, very, very few. There were nowhere near that many where it'd be even close to half. They were extremely rare. Um, but of course, the show, being color conscious, um, just completely ignores reality in that way. And then you also have Mr. Malcolm, who is, of course, the main male love interest. And <laughs> look, if you put Michael B. Jordan, okay, Michael B. Jordan, if you 
place him in 1818 England. As good looking as he is, he is not going to be the biggest bachelor there. He's just not. Racism obviously played a major role in society at that time in England. So as I'm watching this movie, it's completely unrealistic. They portray Mr. Malcolm as this great, or at least in the eyes of all the women in society, this great man, this great bachelor, and it's just not realistic, right? Um, and, you know, it's also, remember, and this is also 1818, right, where slavery was still legal at the time. Um, slavery was not banned till 15 years later in 1833, and yet they don't mention slavery at all in this movie. And again, as I'm watching this movie, as I'm seeing the forced diversity, as I'm seeing how they're ignoring racism, they're ignoring slavery, where it's just this fantasy, it's distracting. I can't, I can't enjoy the genuinely good story or at least the good potential from this story because of all of these things that are completely unrealistic. Um, one reviewer um, said about the movie, there is no racism in the wor in this world, as if that's a good thing, right? So the reviewer is saying there is no racism in this world. That's not a good thing, right? They are denying reality. You know, the argument for forced diversity in period dramas is that they want to be anti-racist. They say, yeah, it's not historically accurate, but representation matters. Apparently, it matters more than being historically accurate. They want to be anti-racist, but by being anti-racist, they're denying the reality of racism. Ironically, they are whitewashing history. And look, I actually think it's very possible that all of these, because it's not just Mr. Malcolm's List, it's not just even Bridgerton, there's all these different shows now, period dramas, who have all these you know, non-white characters in a period in our history where they just did they just weren't there, at least in the number that they that these shows would portray them as. Um so it's just not realistic. And I, I don't think I'm I'm assuming that there are a lot of producers out there who may not actually really support this. But it seems like they have no choice. This is in part because um the Oscars, the Academy Awards, are really forcing diversity in Hollywood. So, for example, um, as of next year, uh, this coming March, for the next um, Oscars, to qualify for the best picture, you have to meet at least two standards out of the four standards that they have for the Oscars. So there are four standards of equity or of representation that you have to meet in order for your film to qualify for best picture, right? But out of the four, you have to meet at least two. So one of them is, uh, is that uh, you have to make sure that at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Or you have to make sure that at least 30% of all actors in secondary and, and minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups, 
women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBTQ plus whatever groups, people with cognitive or physical disabilities. So that's what they're requiring from producers and movies today. And that's, in, that's one of the reasons why even in period dramas, even in, in movies set in England or other parts of Europe, um, even, even then, they have to force diversity because they want their movies to be nominated for the Oscars. Now, the Oscars, this is what they said about their standards. They said, the standards are designed to encourage equitable representation on and off screen in order to better reflect the diversity of the moving of the movie going audience this is why forced diversity has become so normal but as i read that um i can't help but think about the movies that i or the shows that i enjoyed growing up so i loved shows like family matters with you know steve urkel loved that show when i was a kid um, I love Fresh Prince like everybody else, right? I grew up with that. But the two shows that I loved the most growing up were <laughs> was the show called, one of them was a show called The Wonder Years. My wife and I are actually just watching that right now. She never watched it when she was young, so her and I are watching it together. And I, I love that show so much. Not the stupid reboots, the original with, um, with um, I'm forgetting his name, um, um, Fred Savage, I think is his name, Fred Savage. Um, so great show. But especially the other show that I love is a show called Road to Avonlea, which is actually a spinoff of Anne of Green Gables. Um, it's a Canadian show, and I, I adore that show. It's a period drama with a great love story in there, and hey, that's, that's going to appeal to me, okay? <laughs> but look, these are some of the whitest shows <laughs> you will ever see. They are white they are super, super white, all right? And obviously, I am black. I'm a Ghanaian immigrant, and I was living in Canada at the time. And yet, these shows are still some of my favorite shows of all time. Why? Well, it's because they are great shows about young children growing up with their families, friends, and falling in love. And I love that. I could relate to that because they weren't trying to reflect the diversity of their audience. They were trying to reflect the common universal experience that we all have. And that's why I love the show. In other words, they did not appeal to my skin color. They were appealing to my humanity, right? And that's what makes a great show or a great movie when they are appealing to the common universal experiences that we all have, no matter where you come from, a good story is a good story. But that's why I love those shows and that's why I hate forced diversity. Look, I love natural diversity. I love Korean drama. I, I never thought I'd be into it, but my wife loves K-drama. And I've been watching uh, some of these brilliant shows. My wife and I just watched a show called Pashinko. Uh, it's not a Korean drama. Well, it's actually a bit of a, I think it's on Apple TV. And it's a, it's a mixture of a, it's not traditional Korean drama, but it deals with 
Korean characters and also Japanese characters. And I learned so much about the Korean culture, Korean history, Japanese history, and some of the tensions between Koreans and, Jap and, and, and Japanese people through this show. And I love this show. It is an amazing... I was saying to my wife today, there's a scene in this show which is, in context, is about this Korean woman saying goodbye to her mother. And I said to my wife today, as we were just talking about uh, that show, I don't know if any scene in any show that I've ever watched has gripped me the way that show did. Because I said to her, immediately, I thought about my mom. I thought about saying goodbye to my mom when I was leaving home to, to move to the U.S. to marry my wife. In context, there were so many differences between my story and her story, the, the woman in, in this show. But there is that common universal human experience of saying goodbye to our mothers. And different cultures, different languages, different skin colors, but that appealed to me, right? So that's natural diversity, right? I, if, if Hollywood is going to make Korean dramas, great, I'll watch that. But I want it to be natural diversity, not forced diversity. And um, <laughs> look, if we're going to be forcing diversity, I have a few suggestions, right? I, I think one thing we can do is, you know what? When Hollywood inevitably remakes Schindler's List, I think we should have some black representation in the Nazis. I want some black Nazis. I want some black Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> Why not? Right? Representation matters. Or the next movie they make about the slave trade. I think we should have some Koreans in chains. I think we should have some Koreans playing African slaves. Right? Again, this is, this is diversity. Why not? Who cares about being historically accurate? I just want some diversity. Now, obviously, that's silly, but it, it just goes to show the, the ridiculousness of forced diversity. But in all seriousness, um, as I've said, Hollywood doesn't want real diversity. What they want, what they really want, is European history, European culture, European wardrobes, European characters with black actors. If they really, really cared about real diversity, what they would do is they would have period dramas about, you know, Asians. There is a rich history of, of, of beautiful kingdoms in Asia. Same with, same with Africa. You could have great stories about the Ashantis, about the Fantis, about the Benin Empire, the Oyo Empire. You could have great stories about indigenous cultures. You could have great period dramas about anywhere in the world. But they're focusing on Europe. And again, they want to maintain European characters, but they want them in blackface. That's why forced diversity 
is blackface. It's white characters being played by black actors. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast. And also please consider supporting me at the Parolithos Foundation or Patreon.com. Thank you.